0: let to get these islands rocking, baby. Wow. Gosh, oh,
1: How's it going, everybody? Aloha and welcome back to the Brick House for another edition of Bose Football Final here at KHON2.com and anywhere you download podcasts. I'm your host, Rob DeMello. Joining me, we got former University of Hawaii player and coach Rich Miano. We got former Rainbow Warrior offensive lineman and the Ben Yee Most Inspirational Player Award winner, RJ Hollis. And guys, it was a special night in Manoa on Saturday at the Clarence T.C. Ching Athletics Complex. But for the first time since 2019, fans were in the stands in any capacity. Obviously, with Hawaii slowly progressing social gathering restrictions, moving along here, 1,000 fans were allowed to enter the stadium. Uh, that's something that the UH fans have not been able to do since the 2019 Hawaii Bowl victory over BYU at Aloha Stadium. But also headlining a 48-34 victory over New Mexico State, which got the Rainbow Warriors to 4-4, four and four, is that... It was Colt Brennan tribute night and the most memorable moment of the evening was the fact that the university of Hawaii announced that the football program is retiring the number 15, the iconic number 15 worn by Colt Brennan. And it was really just a beautiful ceremony with his family in attendance. Uh, They were given a a Colt Brennan Jersey uh, commemorating moment, And so before we talk X's and O's, before we talk how the University of Hawaii got this victory over New Mexico State, a very important one for them here in this 2021 season, let's talk about the moment. And let's talk about what we'll be talking about for many years when talking about this game at the Clarence T.C. Ching Athletics Complex. And that was memorializing and remembering the legendary Colt Brennan. Rich, I'd like to start with you. You were there covering the game for Spectrum Sports, and Colt Brennan is someone that you helped recruit here to the University of Hawaii, someone that you spent many, many hours with over the course of the years until his untimely passing this past year. How special of a night was that for number 15?
0: Yeah, chicken skin, Rob, you know, to hear the Bob Marley music, to watch the video montage, the what you did at halftime what you did for the circle of honor that piece showing the brilliance showing uh the exuberance showing the mastery of not only the game of football but the game of life the game of hawaii and when you talk about Cole Brennan, it seems to encompass more than just having the quickest release having great accuracy breaking numerous records being a heisman trophy finalist taking us to the biggest game in hawaii history it's the love of the people, the love of the state of Hawaii. You know, he was Hawaii. And even though he had no Hawaiian blood in him, or he wasn't considered local because he didn't wasn't born and raised here. I don't think a person, I remember listening to him on interviews after the game. I'm like, if there was a press secretary, if somebody scripted this, it couldn't sound any better in terms of the love and the appreciation for the offensive line, for the people of Hawaii, for the chance that June Jones gave him to resurrect his whole life. I mean, it was, you know, the only negative, and I don't want to talk about negatives, it's too bad there weren't 9,000 people who witnessed this, because I thought the University of Hawaii did a nice job. I thought that it was a great tribute, and I'm sure between social media and television and everything else, people that didn't get a chance to know Colt Brennan, they got a much better understanding of the beauty on Saturday night.
1: Yeah, and and, and much credit to the University of Hawaii sports information department, marketing department, everyone that played a part in, in putting together those special little clips and, and montages uh, for people to celebrate Colt Brennan on that night. Uh, Trevor Mello, who works for the University of Hawaii Athletics Department, uh, is, a, is a great editor and, and, and did a lot of the, the things that you saw um, kind of going over the years of what Colt Brennan was able to accomplish at the University of Hawaii. You mentioned at halftime before the Jersey retirement ceremony, they played the Circle of Honor feature that that I produced uh, for the University of Hawaii 2021 uh, Circle of Honor. Uh, It was a three-minute version of a seven-minute feature that you can watch at khon2.com if you'd like to. Uh, You can watch it on demand, along with features on Robert Kikaula, Ed Wong, and Amber Kaufman, the other Circle of Honor inductees. Um, And and you mentioned the Bob Marley music, and you mentioned everything about that night was kind of anyone that knew Colt kind of brought you back there and felt like Colt was there. I mean, just almost everything about that evening, and, and and that's what makes it so special. And and R.J. Hollis, when you think about what Colt Brennan means to this program, now forever immortalized in, in regards to what he did athletically and what he accomplished for this state by having his jersey num- number retired, it's only the second time in program history that UH has retired a jersey. Tommy Koolukukui is number 32, was retired as the only other player. Um, how much of an impact did a Colt Brennan make on you? Someone that you never played with someone that you didn't get to spend as much time as I'm sure that you would have liked to at that time in your career. Yet, how much of an impact did he make on you just because he was the face of university of Hawaii football and forever will be.
2: Uh, I mean, a a huge impact like you said rob he was the goat and i mean for anybody that's ever put on the the university of hawaii shoulder pads you know that and it's not a a dishonorable thing to be able to you know just kind of step back and realize what he did uh i remember i was doing uh intern work with sam spangler who was at the university of hawaii as a baseball player the same time colt brennan was there and he would just tell me what the university was like how how great it was how big of an aura he had you know and he would say you know RJ when you're bored go back and look at some of the videos so I watched the games I watched you know the San Jose State uh, muddy game I watched Washington game I watched all the games and you know Colt Brennan's performance was always something that had the average fan see him but for me for somebody that if you can see in my background, wants to represent the University of Hawaii for as long as he lives. The one thing I'll never forget is Colt Brennan's announcement that he was returning. Now, obviously I wasn't a part of the program at this time. I wasn't there to see it live or witness it live, but watching the video to see the part where he says he's gonna come back and he pounds on the podium and starts fighting back the tears. As somebody now, and I wasn't an All-American. I had no NFL career. I have no, you know, long football history to go with. But as somebody now who wants to represent this school till the day he passes, and now I'm talking about myself, you see something like that in a guy that performed that great and still had the emotion come over him because he knew he was returning to that love. I mean, to me, that's what makes him the GOAT. You know, he, he had performances. There's only two numbers that has been retired, like you said. But to me, his love for the school, his aura around this football program, what he was able to do for people, he never met. I, I think that's going to be the biggest part of his legacy. And to me, that's what I will always look up to Colt Brennan for. I met him one time, but, you know, just the discussion we had in the one time we met, it was all about the university. It was all about the school. It was all about – repping that green H. And I think for any one player to be pointed out, not only as to be a great performer of the University of Hawaii, but the greatest representative of the University of Hawaii. I mean, whether you want to talk about when he got the islands put on the side of his head, like this man repped this state and this school. And I think both on the field and off the field, that's what made him a GOAT.
1: And it should be noted that the island chain on the side of the helmet is now a part of the look of the University of Hawaii. Mm, Don't yeah. forget, I never Colt, thought of that. Cole Brennan started that. That, that yeah, was I didn't think it, about that. That's smart, nice, that's, nice, you know. And, and 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 truth be told, you know, that's something that I talked to Nick Rolovich about when he was the University of Hawaii head coach, and this was entering the 2017 season and um uh, and, and it was a conversation where i was telling him i was like hey are you guys going to do anything about the 10-year anniversary of the the sugar bowl team you know because that was the 2017 team and and there were things in the works and um and i, I told him that dude the, the perfect little nod to that 2017 would be the island chain on the side of the helmet be and make it look like colt's hair and and he loved the idea and and it didn't happen until 2018 and and I don't know if that conversation did spark what happened in 2018 with them putting the Island chain on the helmet. But I remember having that conversation at a a spring ball in entering the 2017 season about them doing that. And and so, um, and, and obviously we have seen a new head coach come in and keep the Island chain on the helmet. So I think it's safe to say that that's staying right. And, And, and if not, um, uh, for for the reason of Colt Brennan, I think that as we celebrate Colt, it almost reminds people of like, oh yeah, Colt was really the first one to do this. And so, um, you know, you're not going to have the number 15 on your helmet forever. Uh, you just don't do that for for uh, in honoring players. I mean, we see it in time and time again, the, those honoring of the number on the helmet, you know, it disappears. I think there'll probably be a 15 at the Clarence T.C. Ching Athletics Complex forever now, Um Memorializing that number, but really that island chain on the side of the helmet forever celebrates Colt Brennan and, 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 and makes it special. And, and Rich and I have talked about this many times that there will never be, and, and I hate saying never be, right? I, that, that this is the finality of anything because, you know, as we've learned in our lives, like, you know, you're surprised all the time. And I don't mean this towards any disrespect to anyone else who will come to the University of Hawaii and do great things. But there will never be a bigger star athlete in the state of Hawaii. And I'm not talking about the University of Hawaii. I'm talking, I mean, you look at what Marcus Mariota, Marcus Mariota won the Heisman Trophy. That is the biggest athletic individual achievement you can garner really in, in all sports, right? Because the Heisman, it's special. And people love Marcus. People love Marcus and there's many reasons to love Marcus and he's a great ambassador of Aloha and everything else goes with it. But I will tell you that in 2007, in December of 2007, there, there was no bigger star and there will n- never be one. I mean, Bruno Mars won't reach the admiration and the love and the energy of Colt Brennan in December of 2008 and seven am i right rich
0: yeah not only you're right even like a carissa moore you know olympic gold medalist uh four-time world champion a five-time world champion you know she can still have some anonymity that man could not have anonymity no matter where he was and rob i'll say this if you didn't cry we're all grown men here you know rj and i played football if you didn't cry when you found out he died, if you didn't shed a tear, if you didn't shed a tear last night I'll get chicken skin in terms of the presentation and the, the brilliance of this young person's life, then you, then you don't have a pulse. He was, like my buddy said, Tom Brady, Tiger Woods, Colt Brennan's Line them all up right now at Alamona Center so you gets a bigger line. That's the magnitude of this guy. Now, not internationally, not worldwide fame, but Hawaii famous. We may never see it again.
1: Yep, absolutely, and and so it was a fitting victory for the University of Hawaii football team as they honor the one and only the legendary Colt Brennan on Colt Brennan Tribute Night. And as we mentioned earlier, another little piece to that was that fans were in the stands for the first time, and it, and it's uh it's fitting that that you got to have fans. At the Clarence T.C. Ching Athletics Complex for a night like that, because if this was done with no fans in the stands, it would have been heartbreaking uh, just for me to to see that happen and no one be able to to be there to celebrate. I wish it was nine thousand. I wish that it was fifteen thousand. I wish it was thirty thousand because that's what he deserves. But with that being said, you did have the very first one thousand fans at the Clarence T.C. Ching Athletics Complex, uh, the energy what was awesome, is what we expected it to be. It's very intimate, and it's loud. The speaker system is better than anything that the Aloha Stadium has ever had in its 40-plus <laughs> years of existence. Uh, you can hear the lyrics of the songs that are being played. You, the PA announcer, with every first down, would yell, And it took about two first downs before everyone figured out like oh this is a thing and so you would say first down Hawaii Chee-hoo. and then a split second later you hear everybody yell back Chee-hoo. and that's what we're talking about that's what we're talking about about game day atmosphere and experience that you really couldn't get that college football vibe before you're getting it now Rich Miano for that to be one percent of what is possible at the Clarence TC Ching Athletics Complex? What were your thoughts on that very first game day atmosphere and experience?
0: I, I was elated. Uh, I, I was just uh, part of history. And when you opened the window to our booth and you saw John Ursua sitting two rows down with his girlfriend, the Faruta family, the Tanavases with their names on the back of their jerseys, some of the other parents, to me the biggest travesty of this whole no fans thing has been the loved ones the parents the siblings you know whether they're local parents or mainland parents you should be able to watch your child play extracurricular like division 1 sports so i thought that was wonderful and rob you're right they can control the game day atmosphere now at tc ching because the investment at Aloha Stadium would have been great to get a whole new sound system, knowing that you're going to tear it down. The video scoreboard, the who and you know the band, the dancers, the cheerleaders, whatever else. I'm telling you, when nine thousand people show up, and hopefully at least forty five hundred in two weeks, nine thousand the following home game, it's going to be fun. So if you haven't been there, and you weren't part of that one thousand, I know a lot of people weren't lucky enough to get tickets. Let's show up and let's have fun. And you know what? I, I thought it was a great start, a great trajectory to what
1: things could be like. RJ Hollis, you you weren't able to be there on Saturday night, uh, but from uh, it's an interesting perspective. From the outside looking in, what did that feel like? And, and, and really specifically something that Rich talked about was after the game, Calvin Turner Jr. The, on the Spectrum Sports broadcast uh, being embraced by his girlfriend. And then you see another shot Of some of the local players, and you see their moms and dads there giving them lay and hugging them. And it just blew my mind because boy did I take something like that for granted. And and I'm sure that the players did, I'm sure the parents did. But just seeing that image of them playing a football game and then being able to be given some aloha embraced on the field, still in their uniform, that's something we haven't seen in two years. How special was that, RJ?
2: Too special. Ulti- I, and I tweeted it, you know, earlier uh, on Sunday morning, but I'll still, you know, stick with my sentiment today. The utmost respect, the utmost, you know, hey, y'all get my respect because at the end of the day, I loved the fans. I was a part of a team that overlooked almost every game we had. And we averaged over 20,000 fans Games we wouldn't win, seasons we wouldn't win. And we'd be like, oh, it'd be so dope if we could get 35,000. It'd be so dope if we could get 45,000, 50,000. You know, it'd be so dope if if they could rush the field or it could be on campus or it could be this and be that. And all these complaints, all these excuses, all these things that, as an analyst now watching these players, I mean, for Calvin Turner to, like you said, come off the sideline and be embraced by his girlfriend is great. He had to FaceTime his mama, though. So while he's hugging his girlfriend, his mom's on FaceTime. My mom was at all my games. Even with the flights, she could still come. So for these players to have these years, I mean, what are we at, like 10 home games now? Without a a not full capacity as far as being a sellout, but full capacity as in whoever wants to come can come. They haven't had that since 2019, and for them to be able to come out, have a big performance, have big plays, and then in those post-game press conferences, have so much appreciation for only getting 1,000 people. Bro, respect. Respect to the coaching staff, respect to the players, respect to the university, because they know they had to take that hit by making sure everybody was vaccinated, throwing in the absolute safest, you know, atmosphere they could. And for it to be canceled and canceled and canceled and canceled and and for you to only be allowed 1000 people less than half. And for everybody to take advantage of it and for everybody to be pleased to appreciate it, you gotta tip your hat to them, you gotta give your respect to them. And for me, anybody in that locker room that's watching this, you got my respect. However, you look at me, you got my respect because at the end of the day, I don't know how I would be or how I would have performed if I have to FaceTime my mom after the games instead of her being able to come. So it's great. It was awesome. And it makes me excited to see what 4,500 is going to be. Makes me even more excited to see what 9,000 is going to be like Rich said.
1: Yeah. And and it's fitting because the, uh, one of the storylines entering uh, some of the games this year has been, how crazy is it to think that no fan in Hawaii on Hawaiian soil has ever been able to see a Calvin Turner Jr touchdown and we got to see it on Saturday night a 75 yarder i mean just uh, i mean really i mean outside of uh, of of running 200 yards to get 50 yards you know uh that would probably be like the trademark Calvin Turner Jr touchdown but this one was pretty close to it where it's just he somehow Looks like he's not running faster than anyone on the field, but yet he just leads leaves everyone in his dust. And so it was it was great for the fans to be able to celebrate that and for him to be able to hear the pop, to hear the reaction as he enters the end zone. So uh, number seven, definitely leaving his fingerprints on that special night. And we talked about it with the Colt Brennan tribute night. We talked about it with the fans in the stands. It just felt like a very special event on Saturday night, on campus in Manoa, and with every special event, there are VIPs. And in this case, there was a very important Parson, and that is Diedrich Parson, who the running back who steps in for Day-Day Hunter, who couldn't go against New Mexico State as he nurses an injury. He gets the call, and number 31 has his breakout game, 225 yards of total offense, it goes 161 carries, or excuse me, 161 yards on 25 carries. It felt like 161 carries uh, with three touchdowns. But then also he's the leading receiver on the team, six catches for 54 yards. And, and so, uh, Rich, Diedrich Parson getting his shoulder tap and saying, hey, you got to run the rock for the University of Hawaii football team in this one and then gets to break the rock at the end of the game. Uh, how big of a night was that? For the big guy number 31 philly tough he's proud to be from philadelphia
0: yeah i, I thought Bo graham managed this offense masterfully I, I thought the game plan you know after meeting with todd graham and Bo graham talking about how in the nevada game if they would have just ran the ball the second half not had those three interceptions they would have won that football game that's how good the offensive line was playing that's how physical the run game was that's the impact that day day hunter had in the first half guess what <clears throat> Dietrich Parsons was the star of this football game offensively, but like if R.J. listened to that broadcast last night, one A was that offensive line, and I'm talking all of them, but especially Cole Lavaur, Leaky Tanavasa, Michael Vanderpool. The amount of downhill runs in tight zones in and, 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 and uh, inside zone plays was just masterful, which set up the play action pass, but. Going back to Bo Graham, it was the bubble screen. It was the funnel screen. It was the hitches. It was the smoke throws. It was the short throws. And then when they decided to go downfield on a skinny post and to cover three, it almost got picked off and should have been picked off. Guess what they did? Back to the running game. Back to the short throws. Back to the confidence builders. Back to managing an 18-year-old quarterback. To me, this game stood out because there was an offensive identity. It was like, this is who we are. We're a power inside running game. That's who Todd Graham wants to be. Bo Graham now gets that. Then you take what the defense gives you, because if you continue to throw those short passes and run the ball, guess what? They get out of the too high look. They, they, They load one more player in the box. Then you can go vertical. But don't take what the defense gives you. I was very impressed by the game plan, by Diedrich, by the young freshman quarterback, by the offensive line. And then you had Nick Martiner with a couple big plays. Calvin Turner did his thing, whatever else. But this is what I've been waiting for for seven games. And it's not the same with Shevin Turner. You can do more quarterback runs. You can take more vertical shots. You can do he's more explosive. But this is like why you meet Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. This is why you game plan for an opponent and you understand who you have at quarterback.
1: Yeah, and Rich brought it up. The freshman quarterback, the true freshman out of Dallas, Texas, making his third start as Chevin Cordero continues to nurse a shoulder injury. We did see Chevin throw more balls in pregame than we have seen over the last three weeks, so that's another sign that Cordero is getting closer to a return for this University of Hawaii football team, but... Braden Shager goes 25 of 29 for 219 yards. He's sacked once. He throws no touchdowns, but also no interceptions. And as Rich talked about, it was the game plan. And it was not asking the 18-year-old to do too much. And so, RJ, when you hear 25 of 29, when you hear power running game and Dedrick Parson getting as many touches as he got, 31 on the night uh, between a running back and a receiver, and the offensive line pushing the off uh, pushing the defensive line downfield. Um, How important was this performance by the offense, whether it be the O-line, the quarterback and the running game?
2: It, it was absolutely huge, Rob. And I mean, you know, I say this all the time, but at the end of the day, throw to me whatever statistic you want. The only thing I'm going to care about was, did you get the Samuel L or the George W? That's all <laughs> that matters. You know, did we win or did we lose? You know, there was one point, Rich even said it in his broadcast. Uh, Braden Shaker was, was 13 of 15 for only 94 yards. Now, if you hear just 13 of 15 for 94 yards, you're going to think, okay, uh, who's playing chess on a football field and what's the score? Three to negative three? No, it was 24 to three and UH had a 21 point lead, still marching, still marching. So at the end of the day, it's all just about winning. You know, if Braden Shaker can't come out there and do everything that Chevin Cordero does, let's not beat up on Braden Shager about it because let's not forget how great Chevin Cordero is. This was a overall great performance by the offense. Running game, play calling, quarterbacking. And at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is they won. Now, when you win, we can focus more on this great offensive line, the 112 starts they had coming in, back-to-back century marks with two different running backs. I don't have the statistics. I didn't have the catalog to go back and look it up, but I cannot even think of the last time Hawaii's had two different running backs go century mark in back-to-back games. That speaks grow. I mean, huge confidence for your offense because we're missing our one A. We don't have our 1A quarterback in, but yet and still we know we don't need that to win. Like Rich said, you needed that offensive identity where not every play has to be big. Yes, Calvin Turner took his 75 yards for a touchdown, but at the end of the day, that's not what won the game. What won the game is smart. Methodical play calling by Bo Graham was not asking too much out of an 18-year-old facing another collegiate team and also being able to spread the sugar out and depend on your guys. So Dedrick Parsons stepped up this week. Some weeks we know it's Calvin Turner. It's Nick Martiner, It's Jared Smart. It's whoever you need to step up. But as an identity, as a whole, as a unit, I think this offense in his last two games, especially behind them big horses up front, know that they got an identity, that they got something that with these next five games that are utterly important, you're going to depend on that offense. Defense balls out. We almost always know this to be true. This offense is going to be the make or break for the win and loss columns these next few games.
1: Now, when you hey, look Rob, your...
2: hey Rob, could I
0: follow up just yeah. with this that being said, there were two series where you didn't have number seven who hurt his hand, you didn't have number twelve who's been out the last three weeks, and you didn't have Day Day Hunter, emerging star. Your three most explosive players, maybe your three best players on offense, were out of the game. That gives you confidence in an identity that you can win. That shows you depth. That shows you confidence. And once your offense gets rolling, the defense picked up on that.
1: Yeah, and, and when you talk about what won this game, if you were to get super specific and you're, you're going the definition of the, the term, it's a 14-point victory, and there's 14 points scored by the defense, really. So a lot of people would turn and say that's what won the game. And so, of course, that's headlined by Darius Moussao who had a 10 tackle effort that Mr. Double digits in regards to tackles since he's gotten to the university of Hawaii, he had a 75 yard interception return for touchdown. Eugene Ford has nine tackles. Corey Bethley has eight tackles with a tackle for loss and a 79 yard pick six to go with two quarterback hurries. Um, Obviously the uh, many, many factors on the defense, many players played a big role, but there's two guys I want to talk about RJ, I'm going to start with you, Darius Moussao, number 53, just a a stellar player and has been since he got here from Mililani. And the funny thing is with that pick six, is everyone looks at him as a linebacker, as a defensive star, but we all seem to forget, and time and time again, that this guy was the running back for the Mililani Trojans. And on that pick six return, he showed some moves uh, near the the end zone in order to get in. Uh, how impressed were you, and how how continuously impressed are you with Darius Musa and his leadership?
2: Well, you 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 helped it out with the second part because I'm gonna say last Saturday night. It, in and of itself, to say you were impressed just means you've never seen Darius Moussao play before. But putting it into the concept of what's going on, I mean, dude, dude, he had a shortened season and got over 100 tackles. What? Is, why are we even surprised? What is what is there anything to, you know, get caught off guard about? He's a straight up baller. I mean, Darius Moussao coming out of Mililani did not get the type of D1 attention that we know he should get now. But since he stepped on that field, he's probably I would be willing to guess right now he's had over six, 10 tackle games, maybe even more. And you're probably talking about. 16 games total now, 17 with a shortened season now, you are yeah, maybe 16, 17 games total for the kid now and. He's as normal as a starting quarterback. When it just comes to contributing, when it comes to making things be known, the pick six is just a a icing on the cake. But Darius Moussao is a beast. I would not want to have to block him regularly during practice. I can see me and Darius getting into a lot of fights during run drills. (laughs) Because now he's making me look dumb. Now I got to go off. Now I got to try and make him do something. Then I go off and I still can't make him, you know what I'm saying, do what I want him to do. So Darius Moussao, I mean – Can I talk about what he did Saturday night? Yeah. But would I be talking about something that he's done before? Yes, I would. Would I be talking about greatness that he's shown before? Yes, I would. So at the end of the day, Darius Moussao, he's about as regular as a quarterback as far as contributing, as far as him making statistics. And when I say contributed, I mean some linebackers will show up in the game and do nothing. And at the end of the day, you still might have done your job while not making statistics. He's going to make something happen. No matter what he does, he's going to make something happen. And I'm just so excited to see what the years are going to be like, what Darius Moulesau as a senior is going to look like, what Darius Moulesau when he's getting those Reese's senior bowl offers is going to look like when, when the scouts are really ready to start drafting him up, what that's going to look like. He's so early in his career that, you may even oversell the greatness now because he's going to get better. But, you know, not to, to make things too long-winded because at the end of the day, we know this kid's great. But he had a great performance Saturday, and it's something we're just used to seeing at this point. So, well, Darius
1: I, I, Moussao, baller. I tell you what, uh, if Darius Moussao continues to play like this. He's not going to be getting any Reese's senior bowl offers because he's not going to make it to his senior year. I, I mean, because <laughs> the NFL is that way, bro, if you keep that up. Yeah, uh, and, <laughs> and, and, Rich, uh, Corey Bethley <laughs> – you know, there there is a, a there's standing out. There's having big games, and then there's what Corey Bethley is doing. Where I mean, these statistical efforts, I mean, these are off the charts in Video. regards to production and how much of a fingerprint he has on these games and these victories. And defensively, you know, we talked about it on the Spectrum Sports Game On and halftime and, and post game with Jordan Helley, Kavika Hallams, Nadi Lawa. And you look at uh, players that fit a system, players that fit an era, right? And when you look at that, you think of, you know, for the University of Hawaii, like My- Michael Carter at quarterback, like that fit the era. I mean, that was the perfect triple option quarterback for the University of Hawaii in the early 1990s. You look at Colt Brennan, run and shoot. That was the perfect run and shoot quarterback. And he had some perfect run and shoot receivers and whether it be jason rivers cj hawthorne ryan grice mulling and devon best at that time you couldn't ask for better receivers you you could get guys from the nfl and plug them in and, and it just wouldn't fit right like those guys were perfect for Col- perfect for the offense and you get the sense that Corey bethley is the perfect todd graham football player for his defense you agree rich
0: Yeah, uh, Rob, you just set me right there because I'm about to spike that one because (laughs) Todd Todd Graham showed 30 different looks last week against Nevada. I don't know because I don't have the all 22. I'll find out how many different looks were shown last night. But in order to do that, yeah, you need talent, but you need cerebral players. And you have two of them. We're talking about them. They're the biggest playmakers that we've seen in on this defense in years. You had Jelani Tavai. You have you can go back to Pisa Tanoi Samoa. You can go back to Jeff Ulbricht, I, Carl Kenny, But I don't care who you go back to. At the safety position, Leonard Peters, you know, Lono Manners, uh, Hiram Peters. Uh, there's been, you know, great uh, defensive backs too that have played in this university. But as a defensive coordinator, head coach, and you're going to show that many looks, who lines up the front? The linebacker. Who lines up the back end? Corey bethley i saw it last night rob and i pointed this out in the broadcast and i knew they could do some of this stuff so i always talk about who holds the chalk last so if an offense comes to the line and hawaii shows pressure on the left side can that quarterback take that play and go opposite can he check out of a bad pass situation because of a flooded type of zone coverage and get to the back side guess what's happening on defense i saw this last night rob Corey Bethley lined up on the left side, the quarterback audible because he saw pressure to the right side before the snap, Corey Bethley walked from the left end to the right end, confused protection came unscathed, made another play. And when you can do that, there's not a lot of defenses that will do that because all 11 guys have to get that check. And a lot of times defense is going to go, you know what you win. You saw the disguise you audible to the right call, not this defense that's professional stuff. And when I see this and then the ability to rush the passer, those two guys, Jonah Laulu is getting better. You see some justice to buy inside power moves and rip moves, whatever else. But Corey Bethley and Darius Moussa are the best pass rushers on this football team. As RJ mentioned, they can drop back at a coverage. The interception that Corey Bethley made, if you watch the technique, it was a shuffle, shuffle, situational, quick throw. Then it was a plant and drive, hands on the ball, six, pick six. Technically beautiful, clinic type of stuff, but it's happening regularly. And then there's all these pass deflections of playing the hands and eyes. There's coverage, one of the best coverage guys besides Cortez Davis, who played well last night on many deep throws. Corey Bethany tackling. I thought Corey Bethany missed the tackle, and I didn't even want to say his name. Guess what? It wasn't Corey Bethany. It was Eugene Ford. The three and the eight looked the same. He's, there's no such thing as a perfect defensive game, but impacting a game from a safety position, this guy impacted national two-time, two awards in a national one week. This is another national performance. It may not get recognized nationally, but the fact that it did last time shows you that they're recognizing that Corey Bethley playing on a non-Power 5 conference is an impactful football player. And you know how much I love Darius. So RJ did it on Darius. I'm doing it on Corey. But these are co-NVPs of this
1: defense. Absolutely. Two phenomenal football players. And when you talk about them, you know, obviously there are certain positions that because, you know, especially on the offense side of the ball, the ball is in your hands and, you know, the highlights and all that, that it's easier to identify, I think, for for the average person. And it's easier to for it to be burnt into your brain. But Corey Bethley and Darius Muasa, I mean, when you line them up against all time talents at the University of Hawaii, and obviously it might not be the accolades yet because they have not finished their career and it might not be they led them to a sugar bowl and, you know, all these things. But when you just look at talent, skill level, these two guys stack up with all of the University of Hawaii greats of all time.
2: Most definitely. And I'll I'll say this even going really right right off what Witch said, too. One guy he listed in Jelani Tavai, one guy he didn't, Trayvon Henderson. Yes, I was just about to say. At one point, that was my one defense. So I would face Jelani at Mike with Trayvon being at safety almost all the time. Now, Jelani's 6'4". Trayvon's about 6'2", six, 6'2 two, six, two half. Trayvon's biggest skill set was that he could blitz you without moving. Jelani's skill set was that he had skills. But you got to realize what I just said. One of them's 6'4", the other one's 6'2". So if we're talking about just looking at your normal, oh, what everybody wants to be D1, you hear those sizes and you think, okay, these guys are going to be great. Corey Bethley's 5'10", and Darius six feet six feet, six, one. And these dudes are making bigger plays and more regular plays than the other two guys. I just mentioned whom are both in the NFL. So I think really what I said earlier about Darius is it it's the same thing for Corey. You could talk about their greatness in any single game, but if you're doing it for just one game, chances are you're going to be repeating yourself all the time because I have a strong feeling that this time next week, when we bring up the defense, one of those two names is getting mentioned, if not both of them. And then the week after that and the week after that and the week after that. And if they don't graduate, the weeks will continue. Hey, hey, Rob, could I, could I interject?
0: And I agree with RJ. Hey, bro, RJ. you ain't got to ask,
1: Rich. You ain't got to <laughs> ask, man. This is, the, this is your show, bro.
0: No, I, I agree with RJ. And I was searching for Trey Vaughn's name because I love that defensive back. And he's been in the NFL for the last four or five years. I love his style of play. And, I, and Jelani was a heck of a football player and obviously still playing with the Patriots. But these two are better college football players. Will it translate to the NFL? Sometimes it's opportunity. Sometimes it's height. Sometimes it's how you clock. And these two guys, to me, and I'll go back to Psycho and Mento, David Maiaver and Mike a linebacker safety, impactful players. These guys are better than them too. And that's not a disrespect because these four guys we're mentioning, comparing and contrasting. They're all good football players. But I'm serious and I'm not trying to throw around superlatives and I'm not trying to, you know, uh, just just pump these guys more than they they are worth. I I promise you they're worth the price of admission. When you look at the end of the year, the amount of tackles, the amount of passes broken up, the impactful plays, the quarterback hurries, the sacks, the strips, the interceptions, this is going to be a tandem that's going to be statistically hard to beat and hard to challenge. Pisa Tonoy Samoa had 22 tackles against Alabama. He had a phenomenal senior season. Jeff Obrick was unbelievable his senior season. Uh, I'm not sure that any of them are better than Darius statistically in college, and I'm not sure any safety going back to the 80s has had more of an impact than Corey Bethley has had thus far halfway through the, the season. It's phenomenal to watch.
1: Yeah, absolutely. What, what those two guys are doing, very special. And you talk about becoming faces of a program in this current age, in this current era, University of Hawaii football. Those two guys definitely doing that right now for the University of Hawaii. Well, we're, let's go to the Bose football final mailbox quickly. Um, like we've done in the past, you know, I'll be honest, a lot of the stuff we've talked about to this point are a lot of the questions and the comments that have come in. And so thank you so much to everybody who wrote in uh, with their questions and comments at the boys football final mailbox. You can find me on Instagram at Rob DeMello on Twitter at Rob DeMello, K-H-O-N and on Facebook uh, at Rob DeMello. Uh, and, and before we get to that, I want to say much mahalo everybody too, because we, we talked about a topic last week about, you know, uh, about how you treat people on social media. And, and, and I got a strong reaction of people who, agree and are thanking us for bringing that topic up because it's something that should be talked about here. And so, again, I mean, so much aloha in this state, so much aloha in this community of University of Hawaii football followers. And so just a, a big thank you to everybody, because, uh, you know, it, it's it's a nice reminder of uh, even though we see the, the loud, uh, you know, squeaky wheel gets the grease uh, kind of thing, right, uh, of the negativity and the disrespect and all that. It, it's, it's, it's a great reminder that, you know, that all of that is overpowered by the amount of Aloha here in this state. So uh, first question uh, comes from, uh, let's see, it comes from Aaron Singer, uh, uh, much mahalo Aaron for sending this in. Uh, Cole Brennan, number 15, retired at the University of Hawaii. And obviously uh, every program is different and UH is a program that, whether it's baseball, basketball, football, uh, not a lot of retired numbers and there's the circle of honor. And so that is treated as the hall of fame, right? And so not necessarily is every great player going to have their Jersey number retired. Uh, As we mentioned earlier in the show, Colt Brennan joins only Tommy Kukui's number 32 as retired Jersey numbers for this program. But Aaron wants to know if there is another retired number, at the University of Hawaii. Who do you think it could be? And so, uh, Rich, I'm going to start with you. Does anyone jump out? I mean, you look at, um, you know, what they accomplished at the university. It could be what they accomplish after, um, even, you know, when you add to it, uh, because you see Colton Wong's number 14, already retired as he still plays in the major leagues uh, right now. Uh, Well, is there a number that jumps out to you?
0: Yeah. And, and I'll jump around a little bit. I mean, you could talk about Devon Best, Greg Salas, the leading receivers, you know, in UH history. The game has changed and all that. You know, you talk about great running backs and stuff like that. The Gary Allens and, and, and some of those guys and guys that had great pro careers. To me, the guy that, the right now, to me, DeForest Buckner is becoming the best player from the state of Hawaii ever. That's only if he overtakes Olin Krutz, who I think is a Hall of Fame candidate and definitely a Chicago Bears Hall of Fame. But he didn't play at the University of Hawaii. The guy that to me is right there is Jesse Sapolo. And I'll say why. I'm going with Jesse Sopolo because of the four Super Bowl rings. The, you know, the fact that he played with Joe Montana, the fact that he was all pro. He, he went to the Pro Bowl. The fact that he was an outstanding, he played two ways at one time for Dick Tomey, one of the biggest recruits in the early 80s, ambassador to the sport of football, uh, to the Polynesian, to everybody, a great spokesperson, a great ambassador for the University of Hawaii. And to me, he still is, if he's not the greatest player, he's got the most accolades with the four Super Bowl trophies and just... uh. I'm going with Jesse Sapolo. That number could be retired. And I, and I think he's deserving.
1: Yeah. And at the University of Hawaii, that's number 76. He He's famous for being number 61 in the national football league with the San Francisco 49ers. But at the University of Hawaii, he wore 76. And so Rich Miano says, that, hey, that could be the, the next number retired. And definitely not only just for what he did at UH, but what he did in the NFL. And then what he continues to do as just an yes. ambassador of football here in the state. And whether that's just the University of Hawaii and beyond. Um, before I go to RJ, uh, you know, I, when you look at it being only Tommy Kulukukui and Colt Brennan, uh, I preface this by saying I don't think that this jersey will be necessarily retired anytime soon. But if I were to pick one, I would say it would be 14 for Timmy Chang. And, you know, you you got to remember is that n- records are made to be broken and uh, this record had since been broken. But for any player at the University of Hawaii to hold the all-time NCAA mark in anything, in say, anything, yeah. That's incredible. And that is Jersey retire worthy, right? Where he was the, by the time he finished his career at the university of Hawaii, he was the all time leading passer in NCAA history. And, um, and, and that should be something that, that should be remembered. I mean, the fact that he isn't in the circle of honor yet is is kind of a bummer too. Uh, That's something that he should be able to enjoy right now, but I'm sure he will. He's still very young. And uh, he's still coaching. And who knows, maybe one day he'll find himself back at the University of Hawaii coaching. Um, But that that's one right there. And I think a little caveat to it also is that what he meant for that time. Now, he wasn't on that Sugar Bowl team. He wasn't on that 06 team that was nationally ranked. But you can't tell me Timmy Chang's fingerprints weren't all over 2005, 2006, 2007. Cole Brennan wouldn't have come to the University of Hawaii if Timmy Chang didn't put up the numbers that he did. It showed him what was possible in this run and shoot offense. And then you also add to it and look at the local players that were on those 06, 07 teams. Timmy Chang was one of the few guys, I mean, to go with Vince Monowai at that time to say, you know what? Pac-12 or at the time Pac-10 offers, You know, I'm getting looked at by, you know, all these publications. But you know what? I'm staying home. I'm going to play for the University of Hawaii. I'm going to do something special. And that's something you hear now. Shevin Cordero and A.J. Bianco talk about guys that have opportunities to go elsewhere. A.J. Bianco just committed to the University of Hawaii. Could have gone to Washington State or Nebraska. He chose UH. How many guys turned down Washington State and Nebraska to go to the University of Hawaii? Right? There's not that many. Timmy Chang was one of the first to do that. And so I think that's something that doesn't show up on the stat sheet. It doesn't show up on the statistics, but that glory era, that golden age of UH football doesn't happen if Timmy Chang doesn't say, you know what? I'm going to be a warrior. Rich?
0: Uh, Rob, Rob, let me agree with you and just add something to that. You're exactly right. He was co Brennan before and Colt took it to a whole nother level, but Timmy Chang was the best recruiter we had and took the program to a whole new level because people, as you mentioned so eloquently, he did so many things nationally in the ability to master the run and shoot and throw for all those yards and make it fun but he also was fun off the field and if you were recruited by Timmy Chang you signed on the dotted line and it all started with Timmy Chang it culminated to the to the to the you know moon with Cole Brennan but Timmy Chang catapulted this program to a different level. And uh, I'm not sure about the number of retiring stuff like that, but I agree with you, 17,000 yards, NCAA leader. He was a phenomenal on the field and off the field for the university.
1: All right. Jesse Sapolu, Timmy Chang. Those are two names that came up. RJ Hollis. Uh, is there another player that, that comes to mind? Uh, I mean
2: obviously probably be Vince Manawai. Uh he was another one of those you know big time recruits that decided to stay at the University of Hawaii uh, recently had an unfortunate passing that kind of rocked the program so you know as far as like uh, accolades I would say him might be corny forewarned a little corny alert right here but uh a lot of the guys you guys mentioned and I haven't been around as long as you guys so realize that before I say what I'm about to say. Dudes didn't leave here and go kill it in the NFL, except for, you know, guys like Vince, Alnoga, Noga, uh, Jesse Sapolu, you know, Rich Miano. There's not many guys that had great accolades out here. And when we're looking at guys that we're talking about, we're just talking about accolades. You know, earlier when I talked about Colt Brennan, I was talking about him representing the university. And like I said, this, this may be stretch. I put Vince Manoway first, but I will say this and I don't know how he's going to take it. He's on this call, but, when I did the Hula Bowl last year, I've been around this program for seven years. Nick Rolovich came back, Craig Stetsman came back, Brian Smith, Abel, Mimian, all on the same coaching staff. So I've seen where former players will come and they'll be in a certain area. But as far as putting together a group that represents the university and being an OG, being a godfather, being somebody that, if you're still around the program right now, you can't not have his number and you can't not go to him. I I gotta throw Rich Miano in there. When we did the Hula Bowl last year, I hadn't seen as many alumni in one place. I met Chad Owens for the first time. Uh, Who else did I meet? I met Leonard Peters. I became best friends with Jeremiah Cochran. Like, we are homies now. And he played 14 years before me. But that was because of Rich. Samson Anguai. You know, uh, I got to coach with Leo Galeas and Leo Galeas referred to me as coach while I was just being the media guy. These are all great legends that if not for Rich Miano, I wouldn't have met or vice versa. There's no connection between the past of UH and the present of UH without people like him. So yes, you'll have the accolade retirement. Yes, you'll have everything where you're talking about statistics. But when you talk about a guy, that can pull together the alum. When you talk about a guy that represents this right here, that can keep this together and make you feel proud that you went, I'm picking Rich. Yeah. I'm picking Rich. Uh, I'm. I- 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 I'm totally humbled, RJ. You know, at the end of the day, I know guys say numbers. I know guys say statistics. And those statistics will stay in the years that they were in. Colt Brennan won a 2007 or went to a 2007 Sugar Bowl. You know, Timmy Chang set the record in 2005. Rich played before them. And long after they're gone, Rich is still contributing to this university. Whether it's a recruiting level, analytic level, pride level. You still got a guy that's had decades of representing your school, and I predict more decades coming forward. So maybe call me corny, maybe say I'm inexperienced, say I haven't been around a lot, but I have not met one guy, not even former head coach Nick Rolovich, who can pull together alumni and make you feel more proud that you put on that green shoulder pad in this age than the guy on the other end of this this call right now. So, and,
1: and the thing, too, with Rich Miano and Rich, I mean, I, I know you and this is going to be uncomfortable for you. And, and, and but, you know, when you look at and that's why I always refer to Rich right on this call or on Spectrum as former University of Hawaii player and coach. Right. And and, and it's because there aren't too many of those. Right. There aren't too many. I mean, there are some. But when you look at Rich and his story walk on from Kaiser to the University of Hawaii, to earning a spot on that team on, at a time where the defense was phenomenal. You had a head coach that was a defensive-minded head coach who brought in studs, and yet this walk on from Kaiser earns a spot, and not only earns a spot, but becomes a, a celebrated son of Hawaii. Then makes his way into the National Football League. And plays for over a decade in the NFL. When that's done, he then comes back to the broadcast booth, right? For the University of Hawaii. Then June Jones gets a head coaching job. And then Rich Miano joins his staff. And then he has an over decade long run as a coach for the University of Hawaii. Where they enjoy the most success they've ever had. And then he does it. He wins conference championships with two different head coaches, June Jones and Greg McMakin. I mean, like, when you look at accolades and accomplishments at the university, Rich Miano, as a player and a coach, as uh, as a uh, fundraiser, right, before he even got back into coaching, I mean, this was a guy that was donating money as a member of the National Football League to his alma mater, and it was holding camps and clinics and, and everything that goes along with it. And then now being what he's able to do. And I said this years ago, and and obviously you can't do this. And um, I believe it was Rolo again, that I was saying that, Hey, this is something that should be looked at was that I always thought that, you know, w- like if you go to USC and you're like the prize recruit on defense linebacker, like you get to wear 55, right. The uh, junior sales number and, 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 and it's and you're gifted that number there's other programs that you're gifted a certain like Hilo high school if you wear number six a different players where wears number six in each game and, and and you see that at the college level in different things. I always thought that the walk-on like the guy the the walk-on at the University of Hawaii who earns the scholarship should get number 38 and obviously you can't do that because hey what happens if it's a you know, a a defensive lineman at the time or offensive lineman, you can't wear 38 on the offensive line. And so I understand why you couldn't do that, but that was, I always thought that that should be kind of the thing was the scout team or not the scout team, the walk-on guy that earns his spot gets the number 38. Um, But with all that being said, Rich, you are beloved by the university of Hawaii and, and it's fan base and everyone knows everything that you accomplish. And I know it's, it's weird for you and it's embarrassing to, to talk about, but I hope you know how much you're appreciated for everything that you've done for this football fan base. Well,
0: much love to both you guys. I'm, I'm totally humbled. And, and the thing that hopefully is on my etched uh, on my tombstone, if I don't get cremated or in my epitaph, it would be that he gave back and he stayed here. You know, you can make money on the mainland doing all these things as an ex-NFL athlete. But my whole goal was always just to give back to the young people, not because I'm a multimillionaire businessman, not because I played in the NFL for 11 years, not because I coached at the University of Hawaii, whatever else. It's just because how many people in and in, in no fault of anybody else's that are going to be able to live here, give back. Coach high school football, do camps, do clinics, hula boat, Polynesian boat, whatever else. Somebody has to do it. And I enjoy doing it because to me, when you give, you receive. And you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about my wife. She's Hawaiian. I always said that I'll never be wealthy because my wife is not only gonna give you the shirt off her back, she's gonna give you my shirt too. And <laughs> You know what? It's a wonderful thing to be able to give and to help young people. And if I can continue to do this, like RJ said, for the next couple of decades, I'll be smiling when I do pass.
1: And whether or not the number 38 is ever retired, we all know yeah. that that yeah. you no. will be forever Remembered at the University of Hawaii and, and honored, and you're you're somewhat in the circle of honor with that 2007 Sugar Bowl team. And I know for a fact that you will be in the circle of honor one day because nobody deserves it more. And so you know, it, 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 it oh, take you. time. Who knows? But at some point that will happen. It should have happened already, to be honest. But um, uh, but but I'll say this: that if. If there was a, and we're spanning not just the University of Hawaii at, at, at this point, if there was a Mr. Football in the state of Hawaii, it's Rich Miano. Because you look at player, you look at coach, you look at broadcaster, you look at philanthropist, you look at community member, you look at bowl game founder and president, and you know, I mean just everything that goes with it. Cover two, I mean, a high school football broadcaster. I mean, you are Mr. Football in the state of Hawaii.
2: If I'm not if I'm not mistaken, didn't he, like, beat Kahuku with Kaiser or something like that, too, as well? Or was well, that? Won a
1: prep bowl at Kaiser. Yeah. Okay, so look at this. Look at this. <laughs> University of Hawaii standout football player, standout coach, right? Conference championship coach. The guy won a prep bowl at Kaiser High School as a player. Then comes Kaiser? back and wins a prep bowl as the head coach at Kaiser. State championship player and coach, Mr. Football, Rich Miano, ladies and gentlemen. That's all I got to say. You know what? (laughs) Uh, You guys guys are killing me, bro. I
2: know. I know.
1: (laughs) All right. Let's let let him go.
2: Let's let him live. And
1: I'll say this, all right? Um, You know, obviously, the University of Hawaii football team is going to take on Utah State on Saturday in Logan. They're the Mountain West Conference Mountain Division leading team. UH now at four and four needs to go at least three and two the rest of the way in order to clinch a fourth consecutive winning season. Something the program hasn't done since 2004 to clinch a fourth consecutive bowl game. Something that this program has never done before. All right. The storyline hen- entering in will be Shevin Cordero. Will he play? Will he not play? We're not going to know. Todd Graham's not going to say, and he shouldn't say who's going to start at quarterback. All right. The other question is going to be, all right, Dayday Hunter, is he going to be able to play? We'll see. But Dedrick Parsons showed that he can play because this offensive line is going to definitely uh, be able to tell you whether or not this running game is going to be able to do anything. And then on defense, it's Corey Bethley is Darius Moussa leading the way. So with all that being said, if you tuned in, because you just wanted to hear about Utah state stuff, I'm sorry, but Hey, we, we said everything that needs to be said. I want to end the show the way we ended right there by talking about Rich Miano, about his greatness, about, how great of a guy he is about being one of my best friends of of my lifetime. And I know RJ feels the same way. That's the way we end the show here today. So for Rich Miano, for RJ Hollis, we hope everyone had a great weekend celebrating Colt Brennan, celebrating a UH victory. And we hope that everyone has a great week moving forward. We will be back on Monday talking about what goes down in Logan, Utah, as the Bows take on Utah State at 9 in the morning, Hawaii time on Spectrum Sports pay-per-view. That means that my butt is waking up real early because that means game on starts at 8.30 in the morning. So, uh, everyone wake up, get some coffee, get some breakfast, tune on in, and uh, see how the Rainbow Warriors do. Rich, you, I'm going to well, let you send this out. Well,
0: first of all, again, you guys, people probably turned off this, broad, this podcast a long time ago. They're going like, <laughs> damn these guys are blowing rich up and you know what um and and i I really appreciate respect and all that kind of stuff and like you said rob if i ever do get in the circle of honor it'd be great before my father passes whatever else but if i don't i I know what i did internally i know what i do uh externally as well as my wife and my family and the and, and not to patronize you but when you surround yourself with good people I mean, to do a broadcast with Kanola Leahy and yourself and RJ and Nate and whatever else, to be around passionate people that love the University of Hawaii, love football, man, life is, it's not a job. So I'm blessed. Thank you guys so much. Can't wait to do this Utah State thing. And that means if the game's at 9, call time's at 6 a.m. and I live in Hawaii Kai, so I'm leaving the house at 5.
1: Hey, hey, uh, Mo'ili'ili is on the way uh, from Hawaii Kai to Mililani, so I expect you to just scoop me up. I can sleep on the way in, all right? All right, right, everybody, have a great week. This is Bo's Football Final. We'll see you back on Monday at dot 2com and everywhere you download podcasts. Aloha.